This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, good morning, everybody, on this fine spring morning. And what a week it's been. Hopefully, it's been a good week for you. Um, hopefully, not too busy and lots of moments of joy um, around work as well. And certainly, as I look out the studio window this morning, I can see the spring sunshine, uh, which is a very nice change after quite a, a rainy week here in England this week. So our topic of our show today is all about adoption in education. And we have got a very special guest coming to join us this morning, Marie. Um, and Marie is going to be talking to us uh, about what it might be like to be a child um, coming into school, a child that has been adopted, what it is like for us as educators as we look to support children who have been adopted. And really, I warn you now, this might be um, quite an emotional show because I know some of you listening are aware that one of my children is adopted as well. So I'm really interested to talk to Marie and hear um, her kind of great advice about how we can really make the school transition, the school journey as smooth for these children as possible. So just before Marie joins us, I want to say a huge welcome. We've got Mary Vaughan here listening in this morning. Good morning. And we've got Alan here today as well. Good morning, Alan. Um, I'm just hopefully going to see uh, Marie joining us in a minute as well. So the main thing that um, I think today we're all looking forward to talking to Marie about is really how we can support children who have been adopted. Um, I'm just hopefully going to see Marie join us shortly. Um, just a reminder that if anyone is listening live today um, during our 11 to 12 slot, do feel free to type any questions um, into the chat and we can pass them on to Marie and ask those as well. I know, Alan, you're one of our uh, frequent listeners and Alan um, asked some really good questions when we had Dr. Robert Morgan on the show previously. Um, I know Alan was asking about kind of the future of education and things. So do feel free for those of you listening live uh, to type any questions into the chat and we will pass them on to Marie. So um, when Marie joins, we will let Marie um, introduce herself. And um, great, so we've got so many listeners here today. So um, Right, let, I guess let's get started. Hopefully, this is Marie just joining us now. Uh, good morning, Marie. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Oh. Hi. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. I am so sorry. It only took us seven minutes to actually get <laughs> in. Oh, my gosh. It's um, no problem. Oh, yes. So sorry. I haven't used this app before, so I think I've gotten a bit of a muddle. But thank you for being patient. Um, and I am here now and yet really excited to talk about today's, um, you know, the, the subject for today, um, the theme being adoption in education. Really excited to talk about this with you. Wonderful. And honestly, Marie, sit back, relax, take a breath. As a radio host, I assure you that every show I have a panic <laughs> about <Okay>. technology. <laughs> we know as teachers, don't we? Like the tech never yeah. always 
and smooth such is life <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> but you're here and this is wonderful and we're really happy that you could find some time because I know how busy you are so really happy you could come and talk to us so so maybe to start off Marie how has your week been um, my week has been great, uh, very busy, as you, as you said. Um, I do tend to have quite a busy life, but my, my week's been great because we've actually been holding all our annual reviews for our students. Um, so it's a really nice chance to meet with them and meet with their parents and talk about their progress and make a plan for the year, year ahead. So yeah, very busy week, but a really lovely one. Oh, that sounds lovely, really purposeful. And I love that mm. thought, planning for the year ahead. That sounds excellent. So I guess then our next question is really knowing more about, you know, who your students are, where you're working. And maybe if you're happy to tell us and our listeners a bit about your career journey to this point, Marie, if that's OK. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, I am head of Inclusion College, which is a specialist post-16 college uh, for young people with mental health needs. Uh, so their main their main needs, their main barriers to mainstream or to moving on to um, employment and independent adult life is their mental health. Um, and with that comes, you know, comes a lot um, to mm -hmm. uh, to support and deal with. Um, and our main aim, I guess, is to kind of support them with this and to develop those strategies so that when they go off in the future, they can look after their, their well-being and their mental health. Um, as far as I know, you know, a lot of people tell us we're, we're very unique. Um, it's not many places like us. Um, so we're really putting mental health and, and emotional well-being really up there as a priority. And it, and it runs through absolutely everything that we do. That's wonderful. It sounds like a really good, like, holistic approach to, to your college, Marie. Yeah, exactly. Holistic. And it, like I said, talking to the parents is is so important building those relationships uh, but within our week we could be doing uh, maths and English and, and employability skills but we could also be doing a, a, an art project or a drama group or music um, wow or looking after all our animals we've got lots of animals here um, oh tell, tell us about the animals <laughs> what have you got here? um so we have guinea pig corner so we've got three guinea pigs um oh. in my office I've got two rabbits and also my tortoise fern um, comes in to work with me every day and wanders oh. around my office. Um, we oh, have I love that. <laughs> yeah, we have geckos and fish and we've got a therapy therapy dog as well and a therapy sorry, therapy puppy in training. Uh, so oh, yeah, well, lots, what, what's lots your puppy called, Marie? What's your therapy puppy's name? Fern. She's called Fern. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Beautiful. Um, and I think I think having animals around is so important. And often mm. when I was a primary school teacher, the most I ever managed to get in my classroom was gerbils, because unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of the schools where I was working didn't quite like the risk assessment that came with animals. Yeah. But I think particularly for children that have never had pets or, you know, aren't able to have pets in the home, it's so valuable, isn't it? It, it is. And there's just something about an animal. So intuitive. And the just the act of of stroking an animal you know releases those endorphins so there's so much we do with looking after them as well so you can tie in sort of education and, and english for example if they're really um interested in animals and but reluctant to do english work you can you can tie that in together so yeah there are so many benefits of animals that's wonderful it sounds like a great college to go to marie um so oh 
hopefully you can still hear me. Um, so our theme for today is adoption in education. So I know that this was the theme that, that you wanted us to talk about today. I wondered, are you happy to share what kind of motivates your interest in this? Oh, Marie, I'm not sure if we've lost you. Hopefully you can still hear me. Um, so just while we deal with hopefully getting our special guests back, um, we're going to be talking through some questions today about um, how we can really support children who have been adopted and uh, kind of any advice as well. So Marie, are you with us? Yes, sorry, I'm back in. Sorry about that. <laughs> Welcome, it's no problem at all. Um, so Marie, my first question for you really was, could you tell us um, kind of why you're motivated to talk about this topic with us today, please? Yeah, I am. So um, my interest in this and why, what I'm motivated by are both personal um, personal and professional. Um, so like I've, I've talked a bit about my, my work and um, the need to support young people with their mental health, but I am adopted as well. Um, so I was adopted when I was a baby um, and I have students who are adopted um, in the past and at the moment and then coming next year. Um, and in talking to them and, and supporting them and hearing them, um, it's it really makes me think back to my my own childhood, my own experiences with education. Um, and I just feel really strongly about the need to, to keep talking about it. Um, anyone that's listened to anything I've ever done before or, or met me knows that I really live by and use the quote, be who you needed when you were younger. Um, so that really, that really motivates me. Um, so in terms of the mental health, the impact on mental health, which is obviously my, my specialism, um, so it, the recent, well, June 2021, there was a report that revealed that two thirds of adopted people aged 16 plus have sought help with their mental health. Um, and actually those numbers are rising. Um, so about half of adopted people aged 16 to 25 had mental health services. Um, and the national figure is about 17%. Um, so services are so stretched, as we know. So I just think there just needs to be more su support generally definitely and thank you for sharing that with us Marie and I think that it's so important that you're sharing your voice and your experience because as you say students in your college people you meet you know may or may not disclose that they themselves have been adopted but when we find people you know with a shared experience that we can relate to it really can help us understand our own journeys I think and and I know that you know that the reason I'm very excited you're here because one of my children is adopted yes. and you know, although now she, she's not at school age, so I'm really interested what you're going to so hopefully give me some advice for when she does start yeah. school. But, um, you know, one day she'll be your age and, and I really want her yeah. to look back and think that she's been the best supported that she can be. And for anyone listening who either has experience of children who are adopted or, or is working in a school where children might be um, adopted, I, I just think, I, I mean, I'm really surprised. It's something we're not talking about more. Mm, when we yeah. look at how many children are, are in care or were, you know, a child looked after. I, and it's something I certainly never got trained on when I was training to be a teacher. There was no seminar what to do if you have a child who's in care or who, who has been adopted. I was never prepared um, no. to be able to speak to them about, you know, their loss and their trauma. So, yeah. wow, I feel like we've got a lot to fit into the next kind of 45 minutes. <laughs> Yes, I'll keep, I'll keep talking. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Amazing. Okay. Um, 
so I guess the first question I kind of wanted to ask you then is as we delve into adoption in education mm. is do you feel there are many common difficulties that adopted children face? Yeah um, so ev obviously everyone's story is different um, the backgrounds are different the families are different and all our personalities are different you know just because you're adopted doesn't mean that you're the same as another adopted person but mm -hmm. there are proven to be some really common needs um, and some barriers and these barriers can be in terms of education relationships mental health um, and confidence and self-esteem um, so there's really good information on Adoption UK they've got just so much on their website they're an amazing resource um, of blogs and research projects and, and news articles um, but just some things that I you know that I know about or have come across I thought I could just sort of explain some of the common things yes um, please yep so I think there's a there's a real thing that adopted people can be um, really overly compliant and people pleasers um, and I know that oh, I have very much fallen into that category um, myself uh, and I think this just makes sense because you're you're so scared of further rejection um, so albeit subconsciously or consciously you just want to make sure that doesn't happen and that means that you are quite vulnerable to to trying to please everyone um, and this can lead to quite a lot of social difficulties uh, it also means that if they are having trouble in school the teachers or or other staff might not necessarily realize because the the child is is complying with everything um, so they might not necessarily know um, there is something as well um, to do with adoption that's called disenfranchised grief. So things like death and, and divorce and, and bereavement are quite typically recognised as grief. Um, mm -hmm. But adoption is not often thought of in the same way. So disenfranchised uh, grief sorry, is a type, type of grief that people are quite uncomfortable acknowledging. Um, so like you said, like you said as well, it, you know, you don't know why we're not talking about this more um, but sometimes it does make people feel uncomfortable um, there's also people who are adopted often have a societal message suggesting you should be quite grateful um, and you were you were sort of saved somehow and you were you were adopted into a good family and all of that is is completely true and valid but it does mean that there might be a trend to kind of downplay the loss that that adopted person mm -hmm. feels mm -hmm. um, because the loss of their birth family um, is, is, a is a loss and does have an impact throughout your whole life, even if it was for, you know, a good reason or a positive reason. I mean, I um, mean, it's the biggest, the biggest loss anyone yes. can have. I mean, yes. it's, it's yes. really. Yeah, the And I think the one thing that, that I think a lot of people struggle with is still remembering that for many people who've been adopted, their birth family is still out there. So, yes. for example, on, Mo on Mother's Day recently, wasn't it? And, I, and yeah. I was really talking about my daughter has two mothers. She has a birth mm. mother. Um, mm. Obviously, she, she doesn't see now. And she has mm. me. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people are like, wow, like, it's strange that you would even think about her birth mother. I'm like, how can I not? Like, without her yeah. birth mother, she wouldn't exist. Like, it's... It's re and a lot of people, I think you're right, Marie, a lot of people find it really awkward and uncomfortable to talk about. They're like, oh, you're her mum now. But it's like, yes, I am. Mm -hmm. 
but mm. she still has a birth mother and, and it's totally natural like I can't even imagine the conversations we will have over the coming yeah. years but she <laughs> understands more that there's you know there's other women out there yeah. um, and that does terrify me but yeah I think you're right it's, it's the biggest loss and I can't even imagine what you've gone through but even for me thinking of my daughter like my heart shatters every day like when she, literally every time she says mum something yeah. in me hurts honestly yeah yeah and I yeah I, I remember your post on Mother's Day and I I think I said to you it was just so beautifully worded um but you're right it, it no but you're right it's very unusual it's very unusual if people find this this kind of thing really difficult to acknowledge and I think that's because there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions involved and and I think if you've got no experience of it, there's a lot of awkwardness involved as well. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? And is that OK to say or ask? Um, mm -hmm. I think like many of these topics, it's about openness. Um, Definitely. Yeah. But, but talking sort of moving on to the next one, and it is to do with the loss. Um, so associated with with people who adopted there's a lot of hypervigilance um which people don't necessarily realize and I have to say for a long time I didn't realize either but again anyone that actually knows me in real life I am the jumpiest person you will really? ever meet oh my gosh like to a ridiculous level I mean to the point that when my my boys my sons were younger I had to ban them jumping from making me jump because my overreaction is so funny um that wow. you know they just find it hilarious but for me I honestly I jump I would literally jump at anything uh, even if I know it's coming so every week at work we have a fire alarm test and <laughs> Um, our very lovely site manager will come and say, I'm about to do the fire alarm test. I say, okay, okay, I know that. And then the alarm goes off and I will, I can leave my chair. <laughs> I jump so much. Oh um, but yeah, it, and it's all to do with that kind of um, loss. The initial separation between the birth mother and the baby just creates that high level of stress, horm um, stress hormones mm -hmm. um, and the tendency for reactivity right right from the start you know right at, at, at a very young age um so yeah over increased startle reflex as they call it um the mm -hmm. abnormal re response when someone jumps at any sort sudden noise movement or surprise um is is really common um and like i said yeah for me um it's my my jumping is is quite well known <laughs> wow I'm, I'm really interesting because you said marie um correct me if i'm wrong that you were adopted mm -hmm. as a baby yes and and I think so. I was actually talking about this with my students on campus yesterday at the university. I, I was I really struggle when people say to me. So b because my daughter was um, was one when mm. she came home, a lot of people say. Um, and back to kind of what you were saying, about people saying, "Oh, you, you know, you're so lucky. She's so lucky." And they say, mm. "Oh, she's so lucky. She was so young when yeah. um, she came came to live with you." And I was saying to my students, "Look, I know a lot of people who've um, like adopted a dog from Romania, and the dog's yeah. one." And people say, and people now know, if you go to that person's house and see this one year old dog that's had a really tough start in life, you will know. Don't approach the dog. Be calm with the mm. dog, like treat the dog with respect. And I and I was saying to my students, I don't think people have, have understood that with my daughter. Like we yeah. understand a dog, you know, from a traumatic background needs to be handled very carefully. And I don't think like when I, there's some of the conversations I've had with, with my daughter's nursery and they'll, mm. you know, they'll say, oh, why, why is she behaving like this? And I'm like, we've had this conversation. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you not understand? There, there may be some reasons. And they tried making her like behavior charts. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, 
Like, I'm not sure you've really understood. And it, that made me question, like, again, how well are we preparing hmm. practitioners? And again, I'm not criticizing her nursery. I, I love her nursery. But how well are we preparing educators to support people who've been adopted? And that, that's what I'm hoping we'll kind of unpick a bit through, through today. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, I've got, I've got some things on that later. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some questions for you too, so this is good. <laughs> yeah, this is really good. <laughs> it's good. Um, okay, so, yeah, do you want to say something else there, Marie? I was just going to say the, the other things in common um, tend to be, uh, particularly around uh, the teenage years, it's this real difficulty with forming a sense of self um and your identity um and sort of trusting people so mm-hmm. you know obviously your teenage years is it's all about your identity and um you know and, and developing that sense of self um and i think you know with well even sort of eric erickson you know was, was saying that adolescence is the identity versus role um who am i who do i want to be um and when you're adopted it's very hard to answer at that time who am i um i think as well you know we all know the teenage years you've got hormones and and so much else going on as well i mean it can just be a very difficult time um i think as well in terms of thinking of children at different ages so certainly when you're when you're younger I think it's very common to be almost reframed as a bit of a fairy tale. Um, so my my real mum, my biological mum, she's a princess, and it's a fairy tale, and she just can't have me right now. But she'll she'll come up and she'll come and find me when I'm older, and she'll be beautiful and and so on. And that's quite a common narrative. Um, I, I think that's like the Tracy Beaker. Um, yes. Wasn't that Tracy Beaker's dream that her mum was a movie star exactly. in Hollywood? I don't know if you've it, read the books. <laughs> I have. I have. And uh, yeah, the TV show and, and things. So yeah, I mean, I remember being very caught up with this myself when I was younger because somebody, one of my friends when I was younger said, oh, oh you look like that woman off TV and maybe she's your mum. And she just can't, you know, she just can't have you now because wow. she's got an acting career. Um, when you get older you inevitably become more aware of the possible reasons for adoption. And obviously this doesn't apply to everyone, but there can be some really, really sad and horrific reasons that people are adopted. Um, And when you are a teenager, you become aware of that. Um, So as well as trying to form your personal and social identity, you've kind of got those issues to to think about. Um, A very... Another one is, you know, the fact that you might not look like the rest of your family. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there was a there was a survey that said um, adopted uh, over half of parents surveyed said their adopted child has always had problems in school, but they got significantly worse in the teenage years. Um, so, I think it was sixty four percent felt that the teenage years were the most difficult time for their child at school. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like you say, I mean, even if I look back at my teenage years and I had a, a wonderful childhood, mm. I wasn't adopted and it, and it was still a struggle. So I can't imagine when you've got that, you know, those questions around your background, your identity on top of that, I honestly mm. can't imagine. So I guess uh, I've got one more question I think I'll ask you, then we'll take a short break for the news then. But just yeah. just generally, and I know we could probably talk about this for, for days, but what are those kind of initial things then 
that schools or educators can do to support some of these behaviours, to support these these young people? Yeah, well, I mean, we're very in sync because you kind of touched on this already. Um, so the role now of the there's designated teachers in school um, and it's been extended to include adopted children as well as uh, under the looked after children. Um, mm-hmm. And because there can be a very false assumption that adoption wipes wipes the slate clean almost in terms of trauma um so the designated teachers in school now includes adopted children but there was a survey that said nearly 60 percent of them said that they'd had no training on it um so <laughs> they're regularly working with these very vulnerable children and young people but feel like they've had no support and no no training um so that i mean that's a number one um is to provide specific training um they sort of um, recommend things like not just trauma-informed and and just general understanding of adoption i think the adoption process the the legislation Mm -hmm. and what it means but also things like attachment disorders and and fetal alcohol um spectrum disorder and things like that anything Mm -hmm. um it should these teachers should be be trained in in it um so definitely that's my first my first thing (laughs) that's a good first that's an important one (laughs) yeah so training um I think as well the best thing that a school can do um I mean generally anyway but also for these children and young people is that sense of belonging so a really positive inclusive culture that that builds this sense of belonging so we want any everyone to feel that they're important um because then you you know they will have more support, they'll be able to access more support. It might um, help with that identity if you've got your community. Um, I I had some personal ones that I, of things I've reflected that I found very difficult at school. Oh, yes, please. Um, Yeah, so things like um, science lessons. It's a little thing, but if you're doing biology and they're talking about genetic traits and if you've got brown eyes and your parents have got this and that, be aware that there's someone who doesn't know um, and they might wow. need a little yes. check in before, like we're going to be doing this, a little check in after. Um, mm-hmm. Language, I think particularly, um, and challenging jokes. I mean, I don't know, but so it, when I was at school, um, you're adopted is an insult um your mum says you're adopted is 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 a joke but it's meant as an insult when it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be um so teachers need to be challenging that that language um and that perception um and I actually spoke to one of my pair sorry one of my students um I spoke to him about that I was doing this and he's adopted and he said for him so obviously between us there's about I don't know 20 30 years difference in education but the 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 issues were still the same and he said it was almost one step further for him that he was actively bullied because of being adopted and not only did people use it as an insult they actually horrendously insulted his birth mother and and him um so I think yeah that being aware of the vulnerabilities being aware of the language that's used and challenging those jokes or hurtful comments Um, I mean do do you think though you know I can't imagine people being bullied for being adopted do you think that's coming from like a place of ignorance you know the unknown people feeling uncomfortable because because we don't openly talk about what adoption is so yeah yeah probably I mean also I mean there is a you know that people bully other people for all sorts of reasons don't they I just think that um when it's about adoption there's perhaps a a lack of awareness of how to how to deal with it um 
in in others um and i just i just like to say just a little very special shout out to my lovely sister um who never ever ever used my adoption as a weapon even oh. when i was even when i was being horrendous as a teenager which i fully admit i was um she's <laughs> she's always just she's always been my sister and she's never once uh, said a word <laughs> that's beautiful oh shout out to marie's lovely sister and thank you for being amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely and um I totally hear you on on that joke one so obviously mm. um as an adoptive parent when when I hear parents say things like, oh I'm going to put you up for adoption like exactly. to their child oh my, it makes my blood boil and I, and I just think that's just not appropriate like I know you're exactly. just saying it as a joke but you really haven't thought about how inappropriate that is <laughs> to exactly. joke about it, it makes that's... my blood boil and that's just me I'm not even in your position so <laughs> I can't imagine how it must feel for you yeah Right. So, gosh, we've got through a lot, a lot of things already. I think what we'll do at this point, Marie, go make yourself a cup of tea. We're going to take a short news break and listen to our brilliant two minute tech. We'll be back in about six more minutes with hopefully asking you to share some more advice for our listeners. <laughs> brilliant. All right. Lovely. Thanks so much. Meet you soon, Marie. Bye. Don't go soon. away. Bye. Bye. You in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The latest budget has come under scrutiny from many quarters with many working in education frustrated about a lack of focus on funding for education as a whole. Many have made comments on the £4 billion plan for childcare announced by Chancellor Jeremy Hunt, with Paul Waugh writing an opinion piece for the I newspaper. In the piece, Waugh refers to gaping holes in the plan to provide free childcare for working parents of under fives. Childcare providers have already warned of the lack of funding detailed in the plan and school leaders have expressed concerns that more money will need to be found from their already stretched budgets if the proposed wraparound care is to be provided. Critics have pointed out that the new policy doesn't apply to those in apprenticeships or training and that there is no plan to ensure that an adequately trained workforce will be in place to deliver. The government has responded by proposing changes to the staff to child ratio moving from one to four to one to five. But this has also raised concerns about dilution of care. Since the budget announcement, many local authorities have published figures detailing how many children might qualify for a place in childcare under the scheme versus how many places are on offer at this time. Figures broadly suggest that across the country, demand would far exceed places available. Many media outlets report on talks between England's education unions and government ministers. The talks will be met with what both sides describe as a period of calm for two weeks, with no further strike dates announced. It comes after breakthrough talks with unions representing other public sector workers, including nurses and ambulance crews. The National Education Union said in a statement that it had, along with the NASUWT, NAHT and ASCO agreed to intensive talks with Education Secretary Gillian Keegan. 
The announcement comes after walkouts in Wales and Scotland were postponed whilst unions ballot members on improved offers from the respective devolved governments. In Sunderland, the Echo reports on how former Lioness Jill Scott is helping girls have equal opportunities in football, after a pitch in Jarrow was opened in her honour. Scott was part of the England team who lifted the Euro 22 trophy last summer. While she's retired from playing the game, her involvement continues. In a speech as part of the opening of the new facilities, she said that girls and women's football would take priority on the new pitches. The pitches boast floodlights and 3G playing surfaces and were jointly funded by the government, the FA and the Premier League's Football Foundation. The new facilities link closely to the letter Scott and her teammates wrote to Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, then Conservative leadership candidates, demanding all girls get the chance to play football at school. Scott said, I fell in love with football at school and pointed out that everyone should have the chance to do the same. Finally, ITV News reports on comedian Jason Manford's surprise appearance at a Leeds primary school. The comic was invited to the school after a video of him conducting an audience at one of his live shows in a sing-along of popular assembly songs went viral. The Assembly's Bangers sketch has since inspired a fundraising single, with profits donated to food bank charity the Trussell Trust. The comedian joined in with renditions of This Little Light of Mine, Lord of the Dance, and he's got the whole world in his hands. Footage of the visit is already making the rounds on Twitter. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about Deepfake. Deepfake uses artificial intelligence to create an image or video that appears to be real, but isn't. Amazingly, it's quite easy to do. It starts with a video or image of the target being uploaded to a Deepfake provider, Deepfake provider, found via a quick internet search. The AI then takes over and maps the landmark points of the target's face, just like the filters you find on popular social media apps. This is then overlaid onto another video or text-based script, and hey presto, you have control of what somebody is saying doing, wearing, or even not wearing. Oh wow. Detecting a deep fake is getting harder and harder. It started with people not blinking, but that was fixed pretty quickly. Sadly, there are lots of people making use of this for the wrong reasons, and our young people are being left to wonder what is real and what isn't. There's even something called a shallow fake, where an original video or audio is doctored using simpler editing tools to change the original message. The main questions you need to ask yourself are, why is this video being shared? When was the video published? Is the message something you'd never expect from that person? and who gains from this video. As always, if you have a tech question, why not send it to at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Well, welcome back, and you're here with me on the Friday morning break with Poppy Gibson and our very special guest, Marie. Welcome back, Marie. Hi, hello. <laughs> Yay, Marie. Yay. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't dare go get a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Didn't move a muscle. <laughs> no, I didn't. But that, oh, that, that two-minute tech bit was really interesting um, about the deep fake. So, yeah, yeah glad I really good. Yeah, I know. I, le- I learned so much in that in that news break and that two-minute mm. tech. 
<laughs> great so welcome back and for anyone just joining us so we've got some new listeners um just coming in to join us we are talking with marie about how we can support adopted children in education now before the news we were asking marie about um her own journey and marie told us how she was adopted and how now her passion is really supporting those children who've been adopted that she might come across in her college and I think we all agree that sharing our voices is so important, whatever our journeys and voices are, because that's how we can help others connect and relate. So as we move into the second session, um, we're going to be asking Marie some more questions about kind of advice that she can give us um, and maybe talk a little bit more about how, if Marie's happy to share some ways that you can get in touch with her at the end of the show as well. So the first question I've got for you, Marie, is... Have you got any advice for anyone who, like you, has been adopted? Yeah. Um, so my first piece of advice, um, I, was, I was thinking, I'm mean, not sure if it's the right way around to talk about it, but my first piece of advice is about contact. Um, because, again, that's a slightly kind of um, taboo, maybe emotional part of being adopted um people are either don't say anything about it at all or they're very curious like oh, are you gonna are you gonna find your family are you gonna find your biological family um so i was always i mean i i was brought up there was literally never a time I didn't know that I was adopted. My my parents were amazing. I always knew. Um, mm -hmm. And I was always amazingly supported. And they've always said, well, they always said very openly um, that we will help you if that's what you want to do um, when you're older. Mm -hmm. um, I'd always felt I have my parents. Um, I'm I'm scared. Um as well there could be further rejection and I don't know that I can handle that um so I, I sort of made up my mind that I, I wouldn't but then what happened in between that um and finding out about the possibilities the, the law sort of changed and I wasn't that aware of it so mm -hmm. what happened is there is an adoption contact register um from 1991 um so applicants could could go on there um and uh and then, and then if someone else from their family went on there, then contact could be made. But what, what happened with the change is that um, you had to have on there a wish for no contact if you didn't want to be contacted. So I, I didn't have that on there. Um, but I, I would say, so um, sort of carrying on, I one day I came home from work um, and it was actually my birthday. So I was an, an adult. This was about six years ago. I mm -hmm. came home from work and there was a letter um, and I was going out for tea. Uh, we were in a bit of a rush, you know, get the boys um, out again yeah, yeah. for tea. And um, I took it with me and I just opened it in the car and it was absolutely out of the blue um, from a social worker informing me that someone from my birth family had been searching for me and wanted to know if I would accept contact. Wow. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh, that's giving me goosebumps, Marie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolute shock. Um, and I think probably triggered some of that fight or flight. Um, I didn't know what to do for a long time and it did really affect me. Um, anyway, I, I decided that I should find out more. Otherwise, it would always be in my mind as a, as a what if. And I thought I can, you know. I, I can did, they, did they tell you who it was? Like which member of your birth family? No. No. So I had to decide. That was my first question. Who is it? Because that would have impacted, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so very long story short, I now have my brother, uh, my older brother and his partner very, very much in my life. Um, and I'm so lucky. Um, and I think it is worth 
thinking about that because again not many people think about the family and the siblings who might find out themselves when they're older that they've mm-hmm. got a younger sibling who's been adopted and is and is out there um so yeah that's our story <laughs> wow thank um, you for sharing that thank you no that's okay um uh, second shout out to my brother um so my second piece of advice is all about support um there is a common trait with adopted people particularly adults that you can be very determined to solve everything on your own um mm-hmm. because it makes you less vulnerable um and you're not going to rely on others so so I'm 41 now and I think it is only the past few years that I've actually really let anyone else come in to help me, um, which is, is quite sad in a way, but also good for me now. Um, I've had to really come to the realisation that it's not weak to ask for help um, and that it's safe to trust other people. So my yeah my two main piece of advice for for people who are adopted children and teenagers and and adults is yeah there are some things that are really really hard um Mm -hmm. but find out about um the process the legislation don't shut anything off because you don't always know how it's going to turn out um and just learn to trust people there are there are people you can trust Wow, that's wonderful. You are clearly an incredible woman, Marie. My goodness. I can't. <laughs> oh, I don't know I, about I, that. I think you're choosing what's for dinner and you're choosing whether to, you know, make contact with your family. I think, you know, for, for many of us, uh, these are questions we'll never even have to think hmm. about. And it, and it just makes you realise how massive adoption is. As you say, it's, you know, it's hmm. not even about children who've been adopted getting to terms with the fact they're adopted. There's so many more layers to yeah. adoption and and whether like you say whether those children if they've still got siblings in the birth family whether they know that they exist mm. or not and and what those conversations have been wow um so I, I guess my next question leading on from that then what about any advice for maybe like me I, I'm really yeah. just selfishly asking this for me <laughs> as, a, as an adopted parent um or maybe foster carers is the kind of any advice you you could offer for us um yeah I mean like I said I kind of um a li- sort of referred to my my parents um and like I said I didn't I didn't ever not know that I was adopted I, I there was no big event that I was never sat down and told I just knew it um so much so that when I actually um went to school when I started school when I was five and I told my teacher oh it's nearly my coming day um because that's what we called it the day that I came to to live with my family oh, wow. um so it was like a second birthday I mean it was it was great really um <laughs> but I she didn't know what I meant um she had no idea she was like oh what and I remember at five being so confused that not everybody had a coming day um wow. so yeah I think for my you know for parents who who adopt children just always be totally honest and and transparent I mean we see it a lot don't mean kind of soaps and and films and it's like there's this you suddenly find a mysterious birth certificate and and realize you're adopted or there's a you know um you know a shouting match and it comes out I mean I would say just be honest from uh, from as young as possible um and explain it um and my parents made me feel 
incredibly special and incredibly loved. They were very honest with me about their journey um, to having children. um, And yeah, just always made me feel that they'd chosen me. so I think that's so lucky yeah I was I'm very very lucky in in that um uh also I would say be prepared for some pretty horrific teenagers Um, (laughs) maybe not everyone but like I said unfortunately for a for a teen who's going through things it's an easy weapon to throw um and to use um so yeah i think seek support there are great great charities and organizations that offer support and information um sort of arm yourself maybe with the awareness um of what could be an issue i mean they're not issues for everyone um Mm -hmm, but they might mm be um and yeah that communication with school i think it's really important that the school knows that they're they're adopted and you know if you have to maybe kind of push that you want there to be a nominated member of staff who understands and has had some training. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good point as well about why it's so important to um, share it with the school because I know that uh, pupils in mainstream schools can obviously access the People Premium Plus mm-hmm. funding. So also, you know, really making sure that that funding is is being accessed and used to support your child in whatever mm-hmm. way possible. And I think it's actually slightly more than the People Premium funding. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Just just wait. That's at least something that I'll be <laughs> demanding <laughs> to see how that's being used to support my child. But thank you so much yeah. for that that useful advice, there, Marie. Um, so I've, I've just got a couple of questions left for you, if that's okay. Of course, of course. Um, so it's great to hear you sharing your voice uh, with us on the radio today. And I just thought we should also mention. Um, I know that you're sharing some of your voice in my book that's coming out soon. Yes, I am. So do you want to just uh, briefly touch on that? Um, yep. Yeah, so obviously, we it's something that we've spoken about. And um, it was lovely to talk to you originally and, and realise we're coming from two quite different, different sides in that I'm adopted and you've adopted your daughter. And also that we both are in education and and um hugely sort of passionate about mental health and and changing things i think Mm -hmm. um and talking about those difficult subjects and and raising awareness so yes when you um asked if i would like to give kind of just a little account to add to your to your book that you've written um i was really pleased to be able to do so that's wonderful thank you so much and i know that um We've already been brainstorming lots of other <laughs> ideas. I think yeah. we've, we've mentioned maybe we'll do a children's book on adoption. So watch this yeah. space, uh, yeah. Teachers Talk Radio listeners. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I know we, we've had some really good kind of chats as well, Marie, around, you know, why we should talk about death and um, yeah. and things like that. And, and obviously um, supporting refugees as well in yeah. our schools. So um, I'm not even quite sure how we met originally. I think, it, it on Twitter. I think it's on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I think it was when you started inspire inspired uh, your your blog, and I think you kept coming up on my feed. Oh like, yes, this, my yeah. First, my first blog writer. Clearly, we were meant to be um, in yeah. each other's lives, and lots of exciting Absolutely. things coming, coming out of it. And that, that's why I think um, just the more I got to know you, and when when you told me about how you know adoption is such a part of your life, I just mm. I wonder if maybe that's why you know I, I was drawn to you and hopefully you can yeah. guide hopefully that you know this is the start of our friendship and you you'll be there oh. to support me and my daughter over the coming years oh absolutely I, yes, I absolutely <laughs> will yes please I'm begging <laughs> no I'm um, there I'm there 
brilliant so um i know i've hinted some of the stuff i'm hoping we'll do together i, I wondered ne- what is next for marie because it sounds like you've done so much already in, in your lifetime what's kind of on the horizon um so yeah i'm, I'm so lucky to work for um an incredible um charitable organization inclusion hampshire um and uh, yeah i'm the head of inclusion college um and we are we are growing um and so that will be a continued um a, a continued passion of mine to continue mm-hmm. to support young people with their mental health and, and raising awareness um i've got some um other projects in that i run a mental health network for professionals um and that wow. again is just that again is just purely um people who work with young people who have mental health needs um it can be tough um Mm -hmm. so we meet every six weeks or so and it's really just to support each other to talk things through we have a we normally have a um a focus for each meeting that we decide between ourselves um Mm -hmm. and then we share resources i mean so it's a time saving so time saving practice as well um i'm yeah, I so I like to carry on with those. I like to get involved in lots of different projects. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe that's also why I was drawn to you. I like your yes. energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I think I said to you this week, like you are, you know, you just doing so much, and I think you said, yep, same. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. That's it. Ongoing development, Very ongoing exciting. development at the college. Yeah. Very exciting. And I mean, it's amazing now with you leading your college. When when you were young, when you were a little girl, did you have like a career in mind? Like, did you did you always know you wanted to go into education, or was that something that just happened? Absolutely not. No, I actually wanted to be a vet. Um, so even oh, so really? Much. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is this how you've got yeah. so many animals at your college? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm just sneaking them in. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a vet so much that I did my work experience um, at vets, you know, when I was sort of 15, and so it was pretty set on it um, until I probably realised at college that I wasn't really going to get those A levels. Um, so what I did is I, I had always. Um, had an interest in mental health and probably you know from myself um you know for what i i'd been going through um mm-hmm. so i went to university and did psychology um i then sort of started working with in schools as uh, support um and with people with sen and just really found this kind of affinity with with young people who perhaps had a lot more going on um <laughs> Yeah, and then I was I was very lucky to know Cheryl, who's our CEO. Um, we yeah, well, I knew her, so we've we've known each other for nearly twenty one years now. Um, wow, wonderful. yeah, and I joined Inclusion Hampshire fourteen years ago, and yeah, I've been here ever since. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful! It's great to hear how you're how you're so happy there as well. So yeah. hello to everybody working with Marie. You might be <laughs> very, yeah, very lucky to have you. <laughs> yeah, you're all amazing. <laughs> Um, oh lots of nice shout outs on the show today Marie that's very nice Um, so I just wanted to say it's been amazing kind of starting this conversation about um, the work you're doing at the college you know how we can support children who've been adopted I I wondered if anyone listening any of our listeners would like to follow you or contact you uh, where are you happy for them to come and find you Marie oh yep so I am on Twitter um so my handle is at marie greenhouse but yeah interesting spelling so i've got m-a-r-i-e-g-r-w-e-n-h-a-l-g 
eight <laughs> instead of an H. Um, oh, lovely. Well, we'll make sure we have you in on our Teachers Talk Radio posts anyway, so lovely. people can find you. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as well, and that's uh, just Marie Greenhouse. Brilliant. Thank you. Wonderful. Wow. So hopefully anyone listening, if, you, if you'd like to carry on some of these conversations with Marie, mm-hmm. uh, do find Marie on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, just as we come into the last couple of minutes, Marie, is there anything else you wanted just to share or to ask me? Um, I mean, first of all, I just want to say is how lovely it has been to meet you because I think we've joined up on quite a few things now and, it, and it's brilliant. Um, and I'm quite oh, grateful. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always grateful for the opportunity to, to share to share these things um, and to talk about them. It's it's so important. It's the only way, I, I believe, to sort of challenge any kind of stigma um, that is around these these things and to hopefully move things forward um for people that are going through the the different things that we've spoken about um and yeah so thank you so much for having me and yeah of course always here for support for you as a sort of parent and um i'm sure people say it all the time but you've you've done an amazing thing as well um and your daughter whatever you go through over the next few few years yeah but she she will always know that as well oh thank you that that's really lovely and I think that's the thing as a parent and educator isn't it like all all our children are different whether they're yeah. at home or in our classrooms that they're, they're all unique but I think it's when you know that they've got that that added loss and trauma that even you know as an mm. adult I can't imagine what it's like and just, just mm. to think how we just need to have that extra sensitivity don't we and we just need to have exactly going back to a point you said earlier that communication with the school the communication with the teachers the Mm. teachers to be communicating with the parents and um and I think hopefully what we'll see is as we talk about this more I would love to see it come more into teacher training because yeah like I say I I did a three-year um degree with teacher training built in and not once did we get taught you know how to talk how to talk to children who've been adopted children that are in care children that have had a bereavement and these things will come up and so I guess my question like for us to end on is really as educators how can we do better how can we have these big conversations you know let's not shy away from things that that are part of life really um so yeah hopefully today some educators have been inspired and was there was a really good website I think you told us about at the start of the show Marie for resources yeah Adoption UK Adoption UK brilliant so if anyone listening um wants to find some more useful resources Adoption UK um is a great place to head to and I'll tag that on one of our Twitter posts as well but you're exactly right Marie it's about continuing these conversations not worrying about feeling awkward um Mm -hmm. ask people with the lived experience of adoption like how can we talk about it that's why I was so happy you wanted to come like we need to learn from you about what is the right way for us to have these conversations um and it's just yeah let's just keep these conversations going I guess yeah yeah definitely wonderful well Marie I just want to thank you again for coming on to Teachers Talk Radio hopefully it's been an enjoyable experience <laughs> once I got yeah once I got past the you know the difficulties at the beginning so thank you so much for being patient with me yeah that's just the initiation oh gosh well I've made it through then <laughs> you've yeah. passed successfully it's, yeah. it's honestly been I think you know I've loved all our shows but there has certainly mm. been um you know a very special element of, of getting to hear your story so again just on behalf of, of me and all our listeners thank you for coming and talking so openly about your journey and um and hopefully people listening are inspired and hopefully um 
this isn't the last we'll, we'll talk. Maybe in the future, Marie, if we ever write that book on yes. um, adoption for children, we'll have you back on. We'll do we'll do a special guest show. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'd love to. Absolutely. Watch to. watch your space for Poppy yeah. Marie's partnership. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. Yeah. Well, I wish you a wonderful weekend. Um, and big shout out to everyone at Inclusion College. Wishing you all the best for an amazing year ahead. Oh, thank you so much, and you have a lovely weekend too. <laughs> Thanks, Marie. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. This show is brought to you in partnership with Jock.